We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back, everyone. We hope your summer has been going well so far. Rachel, Julia, how have you both been beating the heat this summer? It has been a hot one. Yeah, it's definitely been hot here in Nebraska, uh, but... We have been blessed with uh, rain off and on this past mm, two weeks now, and we needed it. The The ponds were bone dry. The dust was blowing. It was, it was like a dust bowl around here. Uh, I mean, everything was starving for water, uh, but we've been, we've been blessed with some moisture. And actually, this week, we've kind of been under normal temperatures, so we're out there soaking it in, getting ready for next week's heat blast. What about you, Rachel? Julie, I'm glad that I'm not the only one doing rain dances. But on the flip side, like, I want the rain, but maybe not as torrential as it's been the last couple of weeks. It's, I mean, raining cats and dogs is an understatement, but it's nice to see the rivers up a little bit. Um, and Tana, to answer your original question, to the water, uh, sailing, kayaking, canoeing, whatever, fishing. Um, my three-year-old is... <laughs> learning to fish. This is an, an adventure. I'm a terrible fisherman myself. And uh, now we throw in the Minnie Mouse pole and uh, watch out world. So we're, we're heading to the water. What are you, what are you doing this summer? Uh, I definitely feel the same way. Um, one of my favorite ways to beat the summertime heat is definitely spending time on the water, whether that's fishing or boating and paddling like you alluded to, Rachel, as well. Um, spending time with family. Time spent on the water is never wasted. And Julia, to your point, that rain has certainly helped our situation in Kansas, filling up our reservoirs again. So I'm very, very thankful for that and all the recreational opportunities that will ensue. Absolutely. And, you know, when it the moisture comes, it hits the grasses, it hits the plants that also is preparing for the soon-to-be hunting season. And here in Iowa, we just bought some new kayaks, and just looking at them, I'm so excited to get them out. But, Jenna, every year, state agencies, businesses, partners in the conservation world spend time trying to show and share the joy of being on the water, whether it's boating whether it's fishing all of just all of the benefits there's so many um besides the actual fun of you know spending that time with your family or actually maybe catching a fish some people actually catch fish not myself but other people actually catch them uh, they can actually land them and then they get to eat them uh, and and just that that food that family that time spent um is amazing and so we are so excited this morning to have one of our partners on with us today to talk about their mission, some research, really in the just focusing on women, which uh, the three of us clearly that's one of our passions and one of our one of our topics of enjoyment to talk about. Um, but just really talking about some of the new benefits to uh, specifically talking to women and and sharing this passion. So, uh, yeah. Tana, drum roll. I'm going to let you do the honors. Awesome. Yes. Thanks, Rachel. I am so excited. It is our honor to introduce Rachel Piacenza, Senior Director of Marketing for the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. Wonderful, wonderful partners to all we do for women in the outdoors and outdoor recreation in general. Rachel, welcome to the She Goes Outdoors podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. And, uh, Rachel, as a fellow Rachel with the greatest name on this planet, um, just want to, again, thank you for joining us. And before we get into everything about where you work and what you're doing and all that good stuff, we like to um, bring our listeners up to speed on kind of your journey. Um, Tana, Julia, myself fell into this world in a in totally unconventional ways. And it turns out a lot of our guests found their, their way to this world differently too. So just wanted to hear a little bit about your background um, and, and how you fell into the conservation world. Yes, absolutely. I'm really happy to be here just to chat with you guys through this. I grew up in the Midwest. 
I actually grew up in Wisconsin. So, you know, just hearing you guys already this morning kind of talk through like, you know, it's so hot, but yes, it's hot, but I love to be outside on the water. I grew up on the water pretty much. Um, my family would take like long weekend trips up to the northern part of Wisconsin. My uncle has a little fishing resort up there. So on long weekends, you know, when there would be a holiday, we would pack the car up, go up there and literally just fish and be outside, you know, just walking around, hunting, like doing a lot of just nature centric activities that I realized as I kind of got out of the Midwest a little bit, not everybody has that upbringing. You kind of assume, you know, you're in your small bubble and it's like, well, everyone must do this. And then you get out of it and you're like, there's a lot of people that don't know how to fish. There's a lot of people that don't know how to hunt. And it's, I think it's just like, it's kind of opened me up a little bit to just be more, you know, kind of understanding of that. And I think a lot of people these days too, you know, we were probably all taught these activities when we were young, but I think you're seeing some of the shifts where it's not taught as much anymore. You're either learning how to do it on YouTube or you're learning how to do it from an influencer, or you see something out on social media that makes you kind of want to kind of look into that a little bit more. So, I mean, me personally, I grew up doing it and I always think, you know, I always think back to like, had I not been introduced to like fishing or the outdoors, I honestly don't know if I would be in the profession that I am today. Like that's how much it's impacted me. Um, I'm also a youth girls basketball coach on the side and basketball was a big part of my life kind of growing up. So I personally really enjoy just giving back. So I like, you know, giving back in the coaching realm, but also kind of giving back and doing what I do for the recreational boating and fishing foundation and really just trying to get more people outdoors and more people, you know, focused on fishing and boating because they really have such great just benefits to, to people's lives. Awesome. Can you, um, you know, we, we mentioned the organization you're with, the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, and I suspect that a lot of the ears that are listening to this episode aren't exactly clear to what the foundation does. You know, maybe, can you explain to us the you know, mission, the goals, you know, how can they, the public connect to, to what you're doing and, and then exactly how is it funded? Yes, the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation is a national nonprofit. We're located just outside the Washington, D.C. metro area in Virginia. And our mission really is to just increase participation in recreational fishing and boating, and then also increase public awareness and appreciation of the need to protect, conserve, and restore our nation's aquatic natural resources. So after we get people kind of aware of the activities, they've kind of have a vested interest in them, then kind of pushing them down the funnel a little bit to make sure they're, they appreciate and they're conserving, you know, as they enjoy these activities moving forward. I will say that like, that's kind of like a, you know, more formal way to say that we at RBFF are just committed to spreading fishing and boating to all ages, genders, cultures. We really believe the water's open to everyone. And I think sometimes if you look around in the industry, the industry typically, I will say on the fishing side, predominantly focuses on the more avid consumers. Um, we really try to take that challenge as we're trying to bring in new people. We're really trying to recruit new audiences and really just making sure that everybody feels respected and represented in these sports. I definitely have that feeling, right? So, you know, if you're looking at websites or some of the videos or even certain store catalogs, I do. I have that feel that it's for the avid, it's for the professional anglers out there. And I'm not at that level. I'm honestly with Rachel's daughter at the Barbie doll fishing pole level. That's where I'm at. And so I love the fact of what the foundation is doing and to invite new people to the water. And I love that you all bring it back to a conservation message as well, Rachel. So often we see kind of siloed cultures within the outdoor industry of, well, I'm an angler and I'm a hunter and I'm a bird watcher. 
whatever the case, we can all unite behind that message of conservation. So I really, really like that. Um, will you tell us as well, Rachel, some of the programs that the public might be familiar with, some of your more public-facing outreach efforts? Um, I know in Kansas, we definitely want to plug the Vamos a Pescar program. Yeah, the biggest ones, hopefully, that the public um, should be aware of or will be aware of is we run a national marketing and advertising campaign each year directed at consumers specifically, and it's called the Take Me Fishing campaign. And then we have, like you mentioned, the Vamos a Pescar campaign for our Spanish speakers. And the campaign, really, the mission is just to kind of bring awareness to the sports. Like I mentioned, um, you know, there's a lot of publications, graphics, messaging out there that's kind of geared more towards buying, you know, the best fishing reel you can buy for 500 bucks. But there's different entry points for different people. So we just kind of want to bring awareness to the sports. So we run, you know, a national campaign that is typically includes, um, you know, we have a 60 second hero spot, a 30 second hero spot. We have various public relation um and press releases, we have social media content, blogs, very basic, like how to go fishing, where to go fishing. Those are kind of the two big topics that a lot of people, when they're first kind of getting into the sport, have questions on. So we really try to kind of get on top of those questions and barriers right away and give people the information they really need to get started. And those videos, uh, I'm really impressed with the quality of them. Um, as, a, as a user of the content, I've certainly watched my fair share of YouTube videos um, trying to figure out a bowling knot compared to an improved cinch, compared to some other one that I can't even pronounce, nor can I use. But watching the videos to figure out how to not only use it in my world, but also to teach other people. So I might not be a very good fisherman, but I can talk knots. Um, but, you know, how is it best to to show someone how to do it? And, and those videos are so well done. But one of the things I'm really impressed with, with all of the outreach is, is to Tana's point, the, the kind of that focus on ensuring that things are translated and, and not only just translated, but are comprehensible in Spanish. I, I think there's a, a big difference between the two and, and just wanted to, to, to pass that on to our listeners. Um, Rachel, what else, you know, what else can that newer angler kind of those resources for them? What, what's out there? Yeah, I think your point, Rachel, on translating to Spanish is great. And also what we try to do too in a lot of our content is make it culturally relevant. So not necessarily just, you know, a straight Google Translate. You want to talk to who you're talking to, right? And make sure that they're seeing themselves in the sport. And it's not just a language difference, but it's what does this mean to me? And what does this mean to my culture? So we really kind of try to take that and make sure that it's in all of our public facing items like social and content. Um, I think some other things kind of for newcomers that are great, and especially in Nebraska, Iowa and Kansas, is we have these things called first catch centers, which is kind of a mobile unit that literally has fishing equipment, um, all the kind of the basics to get started in this like more or less like a van. And this mobile catch center will travel around and literally just bring all the equipment, the knowledge to the people. So instead of having an event and just telling people to come to your event, you know, this, the kind of the goal for this mini program is kind of going to fish where the fish are. So we really want these units to get into the urban areas and maybe the, just the types of types of areas in the country that might not be super close to green space, but if you can bring the equipment in you can fish, you know, right on the river, right in, you know, downtown um, USA, I'll say. So we're really excited about this because, yes, we have these, you know, we have this marketing campaign that's visual, but actually having something people can put their hands on and kind of connect. Okay, I may have seen an ad out there on, you know, Disney Channel telling me to go fishing, but then where do I start? Okay, I'll go to this website, I'll get these resources. Now I actually want to try it. So I think just putting that equipment in people's hands is something we're really excited about. We're trying to expand these first catch centers to, so that every single state has multiple units that they can go around and have these events. So I think that's another great resource that we offer. Um, 
Yeah. And, and kind of, like I said, a lot of our stuff is free for anyone to access. You know, another thing that our listeners might recognize and maybe even not know right away that um, when they're putting this conversation together in their head is our boat registration mailers that we partner with you all to send out. I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And I know our boaters appreciate that as well. Those are beautiful flyers. If you've had a lapsed boat registration, you've probably received one of those in the mail. That is completely funded and facilitated through the Recreational Boating Foundation and the partners that they work with as well. So um, that helps make that boat registration process just more accessible. It sends a handy reminder. And then there's always additional useful information on those flyers as well. The RBFF works with state entities to put together and get into your hands. So that's another great partnership that we're so thankful for you guys um, working with us on, Rachel. And Tana, to, to your point, I don't know about your states, but here in Iowa, it's a our boat registrations are a three-year registration. So I can say I'm as guilty of it, right? Like I paid my registration and then do-do-do-do, time goes by, life happens, and then you're ready to go on the water. And it's like, what's Oops. this mailer? Wait, what? Huh? So it's such a nice, nice reminder. And we do uh, here in Iowa also, and I know I speak for Nebraska, appreciate that partnership because it's just a, another add-on nicety that we can do so that instead of talking to a conservation officer or a, or a game warden and maybe not the education might not be forefront, you know, you're getting a ticket at that point. So instead we can do that nice education up front. So um, thank you yes. <laughs> on a personal note too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have to be reminded by our department of roads annually to register my car. I mean, we definitely need a, a reminder for the boats for every three years. So Rachel, will you tell us, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your role with RBFF. You know, what do you enjoy the most? Uh, what is, what is your passion for the position? You know, Rachel and Tan and I, we enjoy talking about our jobs. You know, we brag on them. We love it from the day to day of what we do. And I can I can tell by the tone of your voice that you really enjoy your job as well. But can you just explain your role? Of course, yes. So my I actually first started kind of my professional career with Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. So kind of on the state, you know, kind of on the state level. Um, I worked in the Fisheries Management Bureau, and I was kind of in charge of a lot of aquatic education events. So kind of more, a lot of what I'm doing now, but kind of more on a state level with making sure that events were run properly. Um, I did a lot of marketing as well. Like I kind of was like brought in and they were like, here's what we want you to do. Here's what we need you to do. And I was just trying to help in any way I could because of that, my upbringing, my passion with fishing and just with being outside. I just wanted to be somewhere where you know, I felt I knew a lot about, about the work and I was really passionate about it. After that, I moved over to RBFF about 12 years ago. So I've been, when I first came in with RBFF, I was kind of on the state engagement side. So we have kind of a, a consumer engagement team, a state engagement team, industry engagement, and federal engagement. Those are our four big pillars we're charged with. I currently oversee all the consumer engagement. So all of the campaign items that I mentioned. Um, but when I first started, I came in on the state side. So again, a lot of the relationships with state agencies is kind of how I initially started. When the opportunity presented itself for me to move over to be more on the consumer side and kind of oversee all of our campaigns, specifically targeting consumers, I definitely jumped at that. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's a job, but like you guys said, it's, if your passion is in it and, you know, I, I grew up doing this stuff. I love kind of giving back to something that's given me so much and spreading those joys to other people. Like that's what I love the most. And yes, you come in, you have a desk, you know, you work and you work, but you know, when you can say that you found something that really hits on kind of your purpose and your calling, um, I really enjoy it. I think probably the thing that I enjoy most is I love having a really good and strong team of people that I can work with. And we definitely have that here at RBFF. And I just really enjoy kind of the, the cause driven and the purpose driven work is you're giving back to, you know, something that you're super passionate about. So I don't know if there's one thing in particular, but just kind of overall, I really just enjoy giving back to something that's given me so much. I would say that's definitely your particular right there. 
And it, uh, we, the four of us, I think we all kind of have that same, that same, when you come to the, we don't, it's a job. It's not work. We enjoy what we're doing. We're giving back. And the team, that's, that's a big thing. Like the, the, she goes outdoors. We work as a team and that's why it works well. We all have that passion. And the same thing, even here at the state with, uh, my game and parks team, that's, that's why we're moving the dial here. We're working together. We all have that same mission and, and passion to grab those novice outdoors, um, you know, those that want to learn, take them with us, get them out there, even the experience, keep, continue to get, keep them outside and, and grab and to become mentors, right? We all have that, those same goals. And thanks for sharing that. Love your passion. And Rachel, I imagine in your position, you get to be on the cutting edge of a lot of really cool research going on in this like aquatic conservation um, and recreation space. Will you tell us a little bit more about the current trends that we're seeing in women's fishing? Is female fishing participation increasing, staying steady? Where are we at right now? Yeah, so let's kind of look back a little bit. I would say about 2016 is kind of when we started to see female participation start to kind of go up a little bit. I would say more than normal amounts. We were at 16.5 million women fishing in 2016. We're now up at 19.8 million in 2022. So we've seen an increase of about 3 million, which might seem small, but when you look at it over time and you kind of look at the, the trend line, it's definitely increasing. So we have, we, we're seeing this huge opportunity with just looking strictly at numbers. Women are making up about 36% of all anglers. We want to get that 36 to 50, right? Because you look at the general population, you know, there's about 50% women, 50% men, maybe even a little bit more, you know, upwards of 50% women just for general population. So we would love to kind of have those numbers marry up to kind of what we're seeing population wise. So we definitely have some room, you know, some room for opportunity and some room for growth here. So we actually launched in 2018 um, our Women Making Waves campaign because of some of the numbers we're seeing. It was kind of our first foray into putting marketing dollars behind creative and media to specifically target this audience. And it was our first time ever doing it because if you think about us and how we're funded, we need to make sure that everybody feels represented. So we didn't want to you know, we were, we were very sensitive to the fact of making sure that we didn't move away from our kind of our core segment, our core competencies. So we put some money behind this campaign. We certainly didn't put our full budget behind it, but it performed really well for us in 2018. We had about an 85% video completion rate for all of our assets out there. And the the benchmark or the industry standards about 70%. So we saw that people were liking what we were putting out there. And we also saw participation numbers increase as a result after that. Now there's many factors that can contribute to that. You know, we like to think we were hopefully part of that increase, but you know, there's, there's lots of reasons out there why people decide to pick up an activity. Um, but kind of over the years, what we were starting to see is women really being this gateway to growth for fishing and boating. And it's because, you know, usually moms are the ones in charge of activity planning. A lot of the consumer spending decisions are driven by women. Women are actually the ones introducing their kids more to fishing than dads are introducing their kids. So, the, you know, the woman is kind of this halo effect of introducing family, introducing kids, kind of being in charge of all that activity planning. So with kind of all these insights, we did some research in May of 22 with Ipsos. And we made sure we, you know, had a full robust research project behind this before we put out any sort of campaign. And we got some really interesting results on that. And kind of our goal for the research and why we decided to do this was obviously the opportunity but we really wanted to see if women who actively fish or who stick with fishing have better outcomes emotionally, mentally, or otherwise. 
Yeah. And that makes sense because we hear that all the time anecdotally, right? Women say, oh, the time that I spent on the water, it's worth investing that time. We all know that women's time is valuable and also highly sought after, heavily scheduled. And there's actually been studies. Um, I know our human dimension specialist, Susan Stefan, has kind of filled me in on some of the studies about the ways that we value women's recreational time compared to men um, and the downtime that they do have. So um, I just think that's a really, really interesting component. And also just... You know, we talk about some of the barriers of getting into the outdoors and how those might look different for different groups. And women might have different barriers, be it real or perceived, to getting into that um, that other groups might not have. So I appreciate that you guys are digging into that a little bit more. And I really like the concept of the halo effect. That's that's such a well-stated term because we always talk about all of those kind of components that you laid out so eloquently. And, and it's, it's such an interesting concept that it, it, you know, we always kind of talk about it, especially on the, on the firearm side, you know, yes, we want, we want your, we want youth in, but we also want mom and dad there. We want them to experience it because if we can change one of their perspectives, specifically moms, we know that, you know, maybe at Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, whatever the holiday celebration coming up birthday there might be a firearm under that tree next year because mom liked it so much and we see this a lot with archery specifically once we we get them going so i just i love that phrase of the halo effect that if you really can can launch into the to the family unit um mom's that gateway and and kind of determines what what that family is going to be doing I definitely wrote down in like big letters, bold and circled it. The women are a gateway to growth. I mean, it's, it's spot on, right? We, we see that in, as Rachel was just explaining in her programs as well in Iowa that, you know, we, we ask those evaluation questions prior to an event. Why are you interested in doing this? And a good percentage of those women reply back that they're doing it because they want to go out with their sons. They want to do something with their kids, something new that they can take on and do with their family. Or, you know, of the older generation, when the kids are no longer in the house, these ladies are looking for something to do with with their, their husband, or they're looking to do something with a partner or on their own, right? They're looking for growth mentally with their family, all around. I, I think we need we needed the t-shirts that say that. And Rachel, we warned you before the podcast, you know, started recording today about our soapboxes that we hop on. And I think we may have wandered into this territory. And, um, you know, one of the things that I love too, is a lot of the research that comes out about women in the outdoors talks about the benefits of women participating in the outdoors from an exterior perspective. So the benefits to the outdoor industry, the benefits to families, to all these other things. And I love that you all looked at this campaign from the perspective of a woman. And I understand that you looked at those other factors as well, but said, how does fishing and being on the water benefit a woman? And what characteristics might a female angler have that make her more apt to take on some of the other challenges in life? So um, I just, I really think it's cool that you considered that female centric and the woman centric perspective there um, rather than just looking at it kind of externally. And Rachel, as you were, I mean, 30,000 foot view, because we understand that, that this campaign is going, it's, it's just getting, getting out there into the, into the public, but you know, anything in that, in that research that with Ipsos that kind of jumped out at you or totally caught RBFF off by surprise or off guard. I will say I was on our team. I was probably the closest to the research in terms of, you know, making sure the methodology, um, like kind of all the components were, were buttoned up. I will say the thing that made me maybe not the most surprised, but I was really, really, really happy with the research results. I think it, what we got from the results kind of solidified and confirmed and this is a completely selfish personal like response, but hopefully some, some of your listeners probably have a similar sentiment is I have felt all these things growing up myself. Like I know what fishing has brought to me. And, but to see that, um, like you said, Rachel, like a 30,000 foot scale of no, it's not just you. Like it, women find the most confident, patient, resilient versions of themselves when they're out 
out on the water. You know, like I, I kind of knew that like personally, but to kind of see that reflected in the research, you know, without any sort of, we need to skew the questions here, skew the questions there. Cause we had our um, creative ad agency very closely kind of working on this research with us. Um, I think just to see that bubble up to the top and to be able to have that, to share with millions of women and men out there in the country, I think is just super powerful. So nothing specifically that surprised me, but I think I was really happy with what we saw. And to uh, kind of expand on your comments to that last question, um, you you can feel that, but you weren't exactly how, didn't know how to explain that. Or, and it seems in your professional field now, you're figuring out like, how do I take that research and translate it into into the marketing pieces of did those those ladies that that need to feel or recognize that they have that same connection. So, you know, to add to that, how how is that research being translated into resources to help get more women to find their best selves in the water? We we've had a really good, strong, I would say almost 100% female like led team working on this. And I think that's the beauty of this campaign as well is about a year ago in May of 22 is when we started the research. We knew we couldn't just put something together out there in the market visually without kind of doing our due diligence on the research. So about a year ago, we started the research. Then we had a creative kickoff on, okay, we have the insights. You know, we tapped into our research team from our creative agency to really kind of how do we bring this life to life visually? How can we tell the story of these awesome research insights? Because to your point, Julia, you can't just, you know, research is research. There's so much research out there, but being able to translate that to make sense to people and have that emotional connection of, okay, maybe this is something I should take up, um, definitely take some planning and work. So we kind of had a creative kickoff over the next few months, developed creative as a result of that produced that creative, and then we actually tested the creative to be sure. So not only did we do research, but we tested that product before we put it out in market to make sure it resonated with our female target audience. And the good news is it resonated with women. It also resonated with men, especially fathers with daughters. That's awesome. Because they're seeing people like out out on a boat, out fishing, and they're like, that could be my daughter. I better, I better get her outdoors. I better get her fishing and boating and enjoying some of this stuff because it can give her all these great qualities. That's awesome. And I can even see maybe that connection with hunting as well. We, we see, you know, if we're in the field, we feel that, that uh, the connection with nature, you know, but we're not exactly sure when the, we recognize that being in this profession, we discuss it every day. But someone that's not in this profession and is sitting out there right now, they're not sure how to translate that, right? And that's kind of what that discussion, that's that that marketing piece that, that RBFF is doing. Now, maybe how can we even relate that to the hunting field with these us women out there? We have those fields, but how do we explain those fields? Rachel, before we dive in any further, can you tell us some of those like high level findings from the research that helped inform the tone of this campaign and kind of hit on those key messages that women are going to start seeing in this creative? Yes, I have a few stats I can definitely share out that I think are super impactful. Um, one in four women who actively fish say it improves their mood, brings them peace, helps them manage their mental health and long-term stress, which is fabulous. They have higher self-esteem and a clear mind. Um, some others we found women who actively fish have greater perseverance are more, more likely to say setbacks don't discourage them. And nearly 50% say fishing teaches them patience and helps them develop their confidence. So I think, you know, kind of you have these results that we've pulled from here that we really want to make visually. Um, but you kind of think back to like, I know we were talking about catching fish earlier in, in this segment, but sometimes like what you're going to be catching, isn't something you can grasp. You know, you're catching these things like patience, determination, grit that you don't know you're actually cultivating. But over time you think back and you realize, okay, 
the day I didn't catch a fish, you know, I still learned how to, you know, stay focused, stay determined, um, and kind of add it to your next fishing experience. Um, something I will add too, though, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more. 75% of women who fish do not feel represented in marketing and advertising. So that's something we kind of already knew, like I said, before we go into this, we certainly didn't think that number was going to be that high. But as we kind of saw some of these results, we realized we have this opportunity to really make people feel represented, but make sure they feel represented authentically and not just kind of pushed out there. And and to add to that, I recently seen a video in uh, from Iowa, maybe it's not released out there, where there's some urban images in the background. Uh, they're fishing in the urban areas. As I reflect back, other videos that I had seen are just these wide open lake ponds or even rivers that may not, everyone in the urban areas may not have connection to. They may not physically have the transportation to get to a massive lake. And just that concept of now I see these large buildings. I see a bunch of houses surrounded by this little bit smaller body of water. Now I feel represented because I can go to those areas uh, with easy, easier access. And the same thing with a, with a female. You know, with my family, I could grab that Barbie doll fishing pole and go down one mile to this local little lake that's in my town because we have time for that as my family. Or I have the finances that, that can get to me there, but I can't get to a to a larger body of water. So uh, that's just, an, you know, and I feel like that's an extension to what you were just talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you have the representation of, you know, you as a human being, but also do, you know, geographically where I live, is that represented? And I think the urban setting is so important because obviously most people are kind of dwelling more in urban areas than suburbs. But if you feel like, yes, you don't have the transportation to get somewhere or it's going to take all day to go fishing, those are kind of some of the barriers we try to get ahead of on. You can actually just fish right in your backyard. You just have to know where to go. And and Julia, um, to kind of divert again on a different soapbox, but um, to your point about kind of stereotypes, um, you know, some of the things we talk about are, you know, women don't feel represented. They the, the stereotypical fisherman is a male, you know, those types of things. So with that, with those creatives that you're talking about, there was a very intentional, um, intentional setting up shots so, so that we did have the cityscape. Yes, Des Moines is not, it's not in your top five of metros, but it's certainly, you know, we have a million people shockingly here in Iowa in the metro and and so we want to represent that you know we have communities within 15 minute drive of des moines that have 30 plus public waters you know yeah they're they're very small they're they're within you know there's houses all around them um but we've done a lot with storm waters to create fisheries habitat so that they are fishable waters and and those are those are all intentional things so that we can kind of increase the community so that you can take your kids to a ball game. And then when you're in that downtime between games, which no matter what child activity you get, you get to enjoy, you have that lull um, to grab your fishing pole because, you know, two blocks over, you can go fish and then you can get back to your game and get your hot dog and, and get back in it. So um, those are all intentional things, but they are all based off of all of the, the research that RBFF has done and has, has passed out to the community, all of their recommendations. Um, the Midwest has definitely taken it to heart and we were lucky enough to get a grant to do all of that, um, that, that to get all those assets. So they are, they're open for all of the Midwest, all of our partners, all of our states. Um, the particular photo that you're talking about happens to be Iowa. And I was talking about our fish local program, but um, but we see it all over, all over the country, all over the Midwest, and especially in our states. So, um, yeah, I'll get off that soapbox and and toss it back to you guys. <laughs> And Rachel, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the strategies that you all are using in this campaign. Um, and I was lucky enough to jump on kind of a preliminary webinar where you talked about some really big partners and placements. Can you like spill the tea with us on that a little bit? 
Uh, yes, happy to spill the tea. Uh, I will say, so each year we kind of do this national advertising campaign. It consists of, um, we actually have a big partnership or alliance agreement, I should say, with Walt Disney World. So we're one of, I think, 30-some alliance partners. So kind of an elite company, which we love, but we're one of, I think, the only nonprofits. But having Disney as an alliance partner gives us access to the lovely Disney media that they have, which, you know, they have ABC, ESPN, Freeform. They have lots of media opportunities, but then it allows us to get fishing in front of people who typically aren't going to, you know, see a lot of fishing commercials or fishing content. So we have linear, linear and streaming placements with almost all of Disney's kind of channels. So Disney XD, Disney Channel, ESPN, um, ABC, we get kind of really good placements there just kind of based on our partnership with Disney. Um, and typically our media will run. So you'll see kind of our find your best self campaign spot anywhere from May to September. That's kind of the bulk of our media buy just because the majority of the country that's kind of prime fishing season, you could argue you know, in the South, it's always fishing season because it's always warm. You know, in the Midwest, it gets super cold. There's always people fishing no matter what time of year it is in the Midwest. I will say that for sure. <laughs> but um, that's kind of the bulk of us, of kind of where we put most of our media dollars is, is those spring and summer months. So we have TV spots. We have paid search. So people are like actively searching on Google for, you know, how to fish, where to fish. We kind of show up there, you know, top of the fold. Once they get to our Take Me Fishing website, they then have the opportunity to kind of bounce off to any state agency website. So any of the states here, um, you know, if they want to learn more about what you're doing in your state, how to fish. The thing with us is because we're national in scope and we're not the ones selling the fishing licenses, we have to bounce consumers off to each each state agency page, because y'all are the ones selling the licenses, you have the expertise on the local resources and stuff like that. So um, we have social media, we're working with a bunch of influencers and the influencers we try to work with are kind of more outdoor lifestyle in nature than exclusively fishing, exclusively boating, because they have their defined audience, right? They have the people that, you know, if you're a fishing influencer, you likely have fishing type followers. We're trying to move more into the outdoor lifestyle space. So people might be camping, um, hiking. A lot of those crossover activities really lend itself well to fishing and boating. So um, a lot of those audiences are just interested in the outdoors. So we try to kind of partner with people um, that kind of have more of a life, outdoor lifestyle focus. We have some digital ads. We have some PR activations. We created this really cool uh, thing called Fearless Fishing Line. And it's to kind of play off the research that we got. And it's something tangible, you know, that you can kind of grab and touch. And it shows all of the research insights. So we've kind of dubbed it strong line for strong women. And, you know, it, it just shows, you know, kind of all the research um, on one little fishing box. So uh, we, we're doing some print ads as well. And we have the print ads in publications like Vogue, Vanity Fair, Forbes. So we're not going into the typically um, outdoor space, you know, like an outdoor life, no offense to outdoor life, but we're trying to kind of get more, we want to bring fishing to more mainstream, right? So I think the Vanity Fair and their, you know, female like viewership, I think is going to be great for us. Um, Forbes, we're going to be doing something with kind of the, there's a women's power summit later in September, we're going to kind of sponsor that and be able to have a speaking opportunity and really talk to a lot of the research. Um, the Vanity Fair and Forbes partnership, they include digital um, content and social executions. So we're really just trying to get, you know, trying to move fishing into, to be more culturally relevant, I should say, because I think typically it's been seen as kind of an older male, typically white sport. <clears throat> we really want to bring it to, um, different audience segments. So we're really excited about those. Those just launched actually end of June. So if you just Google Take Me Fishing Forbes, Take Me Fishing Vanity Fair, it should pop up kind of all of the work that we're doing with them. So take a look. It's fun stuff. And you're going you're going to them, right? That's what you're doing. You're, because they don't they don't know what they don't know. That they don't realize that this fishing 
this concept of fishing exists and what the concept behind it is. So that's why you're, you're not, you're, you're marketing to the people that, that we want to know about it. If you're going into outdoor life or you're going into our, even our own state publications, those people already know fishing exists. They kind of have an idea of, yep. Um, I, I know that what fishing does for me, but now you're reaching all the way down to the, those that don't even know that it exists. And that's uh, some phenomenal marketing right there. It's pretty cool to see that, you know, on a very high level, yeah, you can go, you can go fish for fish, right? You can fish for food. You can do that. But to your point from earlier, like you also can fish for grit. You can also fish for patience. You know, we talk about mental health so much right now, right? So you can fish for a stress reliever and, you know, or, or maybe it's just a timeout. Maybe it's a, an excuse to put your phone down, turn off email, not watch the Twitter feed, don't care about Facebook, just unwind, um, you know, and, and take in uh, some other interaction, you know, maybe it's just a sun setting. Um, but that's something we, we forget about, especially as we move more urban, you're away from that kind of natural setting. Um, and it's much more managed and, 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 and altered, I guess is probably a better word. Um, so what a, what a cool concept to open up Vanity Fair and, and you have like the latest, greatest, whatever add on one side and then you can also go fishing you know uh, it's pretty cool to see and I think we forget too water is such a it's a uniting resource it's something we can all kind of rally behind and so it's almost like reminding people of that that connection to the water and to our natural resources and how many people are going to see these ads in Vanity Fair and think of a time where they drove by a water body and thought how beautiful it was or how many, you know, little fishing excursions they went on with their grandpa before they moved into the big city or whatever the case may be kind of relating them back to that resource, I imagine, and full transparency too. I do not have kids um, and I can't imagine that the pressures of motherhood, what that brings, but I already as a childless woman feel the pressures of gentle parenting and, um, you know, the big push for that. Um, Some things that might be handy for gentle parenting, perseverance, uh, grit, patience, I'm thinking all these things. So golly, relevant from every perspective. Um, Rachel, I can only imagine just based on how excited we all are having this conversation together, what the initial response has been. Um, but tell us, you know, in more concrete terms, how have people responded to seeing these, um, these placements? Yeah. And I will, I will kind of preface this with the campaign just launched in May. So it really only is a couple months old, but even kind of with that said, Um, we've just, we've had phenomenal just testimonials and comments on, you know, the videos when we post them on social, on YouTube, people saying how fishing, you know, telling their story, which is what we want, right? How fishing has changed their life and how, you know, this, this video and the campaign has been super relevant to just what they're doing day to day and reminding them, I need to take my kids fishing or my kids ask me to go fishing or, you know, if, if you don't have kids, just, I I think just going out in general. Um, We've also kind of shown the video at some industry events too. So we have kind of our consumer focus, but then we have a lot of industry stakeholders that, you know, have a vested interest in our BFF and all of our work and making sure we're getting fishing and boating out there. So we've already gone to a couple industry events and kind of showcased our consumer campaign just kind of because it's the big thing we're doing this year. And we're getting really good feedback Um, from people coming up to us after the video, there have been some people like transparently like breaking down in tears after we show the campaign video, just saying how impactful it is. And that that just really makes us feel good because, you know, we've put a couple years into this whole campaign, you know, stemming back from the initial research we did back in May of 22. Um, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of fun, but it's been a a lot of work. So I think kind of seeing it, seeing people's reaction to it, I think really makes us um, just really excited. And, you know, I know we just launched, but I'm already excited for, for year two of the campaign and how we can add to that. And, and Rachel, I think you're, I mean, 
holistically. The campaign hits on so many really cool things. Uh, you're talking about the influencers. Um, I mean, there's so much, so much talk about how, you know, especially younger generations can see through traditional advertising and they want that authentic feel. They want, you know, someone in their own voice talking about it and, and they can spot the, you know, convenient Coca-Cola ad placement in a movie, right? Like, they ain't stupid and they've lived and grown up in this very digital, very uh, internet driven world. And so um, for, you know, I think a lot of times people think nonprofits are, are, are behind the times and it's cool to see RBFF as a nonprofit pushing and leading and, and, and showing, you know, not only to other nonprofits, but to state agencies too, like to partners hey, we can be out in front. Like what we do is important work. It, it changes lives. Um, and 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 don't be afraid to to try something like Forbes. You know, who would have thought we'd we'd have a, a you know, someone talking about fishing in Forbes. It's awesome. Um, you know, I look forward to going to the dentist. I never say that. I look forward to going to the dentist to pick up the magazine to start flipping through to find the ad. So uh, that's exciting. All right. Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll kind of add to that too. Like, as you mentioned, Rachel, I, you know, if you would have told me like five, 10 years ago, we would be doing stuff with Vanity Fair and Forbes. I would be like, are you nuts? Like, you gotta be crazy because, um, I, I mean, something I will add is we've had a really just supportive like leadership team too, to kind of, kind of see the value in, you know, we, we have to kind of be a little risky if we want to, to see some of, um, you know, these awareness numbers like increase. So, going to places like Vanity Fair. And I will say Vanity Fair was super excited to work with us. You know, they, I think initially thought fishing. And then as we kind of went into more detail on what that would entail, they just got super excited. So even just like, you know, the Vanity Fair team we worked with, like 10 or so people, even making them aware of fishing, you know, and then they're going to make others aware of fishing. So yes, we have the video we created with them that they will have on all their channels, but it's kind of the indirect benefit too of then making a team at Forbes or Vanity Fair who probably didn't know much about fishing, getting them excited about the research too. And another great bow that I can think of on the end of all this is the research has shown more and more consumers are concerned about where their money is going when they make a purchase, when they support a product. Is it padding someone's pocket or is it going toward matters that they really, really care about? And it's worth noting that when you buy a hunting or fishing license, that money goes back to the conservation agency. So back to um, Iowa DNR, goes back to Nebraska Game and Parks Commission, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. And we are then able to put that money back back into conservation. So um, a prog- uh, I'm sorry, a product that you can really put your money behind, an activity that you can do with your family and know that you're doing all that good locally for yourself, for your family, for your community, but then also for conservation as a whole. You can't ask for much more than that. And Tana, to just tag that, like uh, as, a, as a boater, sometimes I get frustrated with the increased cost of of marine fuel and i do want to put the plug that there's a reason that marine fuel does cost more and that money is then coming back to your local waters so just kind of in addition with your hunting and fishing license marine fuel and the dingle johnson act come back and and so um i know i get on the soapbox a lot but it's an important one i think it's often uh forgotten about on, on both sides of those so um yeah it, it it's so important. It's helping your local state, your local economy. It's coming back to you. So um, sometimes it's that gift that you didn't want to get, but uh, we, we appreciate it. And, and on the state side, we certainly use it um, and, and try and make the monies go the furthest and have the biggest impact. So we are trying to be a fiduciary and, and be responsible with those funds also. So um Rachel, with with the with all of this, there's there's kind of been a, a continuous conversation about you kind of mentioned it earlier about needing to increase the participation rate of of women, and that and I've heard a stat, and uh, forgive me if I'm off a little bit, but basically if we can bring female participation up to match male participation, we virtually could grow 
the entire sport or industry of fishing by like 26%. Um, well, why is this important? Why do listeners care? We're seeing specifically with women, they're one of the fastest growing segments, um, you know, just in terms of fishing participation. I think this year's the, this is the highest year we've seen so far um, in terms of the, just the sheer number of women who are fishing. I will say too, we also did some additional research that I haven't talked about yet to really show kind of that financial impact of, you know, if you get a, a female participating in fishing, she's going to be buying stuff. Everyone's going to be buying stuff. You know, you're buying equipment, you're buying food, you're buying, you know, lodging, et cetera, as part of your trip. So each additional fishing participant, female fishing participant is worth close to a thousand dollars of annual revenue from the industry. So if we can even kind of move that number a little bit. Um, it's, it's going to benefit the sport. It's going to benefit the industry. And I'll just say that, you know, your initial question kind of trying to kind of get that, that parity of kind of 50% um, participants, it's, it's, it's just going to add to kind of the overall like financial impact, but it's also just going to add to, you know, like the more people that are out there enjoying the resource. And you had mentioned earlier, like the fishing license dollars go back directly to the resource. We, we try to kind of um, educate people on that as well. And we call it conservation through participation. So actually participating in the sport really just kind of goes back to conserve it. So the more people, the more money, the more money back to the resource to help make it great. I'm writing down all these like great comments and I was just like, I was zoned in on her words and writing all these great notes down. So I remember these terms. You're good. I was, um, Rachel and I, Rachel, Alice and I were getting pretty fired up. So I was just making sure you had a chance to get in there, Julia. You got it all for me. You got it all. Like I can't come up with any other question or questions other than just holding her hand up high and saying, hoorah. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I'd love to come back guys for like a, like a round two, if you want, kind of after we, after this campaign <sighs> is done. Cause honestly, it is just a few months old. So we'll have more results probably in September or October. You know, if you, if you feel the need, would love to come back kind of and talk more about it. I think especially what we're going to be doing for year two, we're going to be mm -hmm. moving, I think, to more tactical and more grassroots efforts because community is a huge, is a huge kind of driver for females, like in terms of fishing participation, lack of community is a reason why they don't continue. Yep. So one thing I didn't mention, that I definitely want to mention here is we're getting a lot of women in but they're also the fastest group to drop out. So we're, we need to dive into that to realize and kind of figure out why um, we're hoping kind of putting women front and center in our campaign, you know, in our partnerships with Forbes and Vanity Fair, we're, what we're actually doing with Forbes is we're trying to find a female who's used some of this stuff to help propel herself in her career. So has used some of like the grit, the confidence, some of the stuff she's kind of garnered from fishing to help push her ahead. That's cool. Um, Cause that's a super authentic way to bring the research to life. And ultimately that's what we want to do. Um, but kind of when we move into year two and beyond of this, we want to kind of drill down to that community aspect because you want to be around like-minded people who enjoy what you enjoy, that you can count on, that you can rely on for guidance we really want to try to get something in place and it's, it's a little more tricky at the national level. So we kind of have to figure out what we're going to do year two and year three of this, but there's definitely a need for groups potentially around the country to kind of, kind of be the community and, you know, the, the safe space I'll say where you can ask a question and not feel like you're going to be attacked or you're going to be questioned why you would ask a question like that. Mm, that's great. And I think this team is going to be really um, eager to partner with you all on that. All of us are plugged into our BOW, Becoming an Outdoor Someone programs in our states. We talk about that a lot on the podcast, uh, as well as just some of our local partners. So I hope that, um, you know, I guess we, we look forward to that. I hope we get a chance to work with you more. And we would certainly love to to have you back for an update. 
Um, you know, and another thing I'm thinking too, this is, I promised my last soapbox is we were talking about the importance of getting more female participation. And one of the barriers that I often hear, especially the dreaded conversation about finding waiters for women, there are some brands doing wonderful things to make sure that their gear is inclusive and, um, you know, available to women, but think about the buying power, like as consumers will have, if we can get female participation in fishing up to closer to 50%, that's a voice that industry can't ignore. And I'm certainly not accusing industry of wanting to ignore female voices, but it's one of those things, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So the more power we have as consumers to raise our voices and say, here are the things that we need to feel comfortable in the outdoors, to feel represented. Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps just talking about it. So let's do it, y'all. Let's get that participation up closer to 50%, get more women out on the water so they can find their best selves. Preach. Mm. <laughs> Man, Rachel, I, this has been such an exciting conversation. We've had a blast. Obviously, we're all pretty fired up about this research. It's clear that you are as well. Um, thank you again for all of the hard work you and everyone else at RBFF has done to conduct this research with Ipsos. And then, of course, share this message by translating it into this broader campaign. How can our listeners in the She Goes Outdoors family help promote this campaign and any of the associated resource? Because I know they'll want to jump on board. Yeah, so I would say kind of just follow us on social. We're on the, you know, the major social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. We try to share a lot of authentic stories too, because I think that's the beauty coming out of this is a lot of people are really just eager and excited to share their stories of how fishing has helped them. So please follow us on social. I would say, you know, take a look at our website. If you're kind of newer to the sport, we have a lot of basic how-to, where-to information that can really help get you started. And I think finally, just subscribe to our, our Newswaves newsletter, which goes out each month, which just kind of shows basic um, fishing and boating practices. So appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Perfect. Well, we will definitely check that out. That newsletter is one of the best things to hit my inbox, something I always look forward to, always full of really good tips. And again, yeah, takemefishing.org, lots of wonderful resources there. Y'all, when you start seeing these videos, these placements coming across your social media feed, hit that like button, hit the share button, um, help us spread the word. And you know what? At the bare minimum, hit the water, invite others to go find their best selves on the water with you. Take your family, take your friends, take someone new, and then talk about it. Tell others, share that joy. All right. It's been wonderful. We could be here all week if we kept this going, but Rachel, I know you're a very busy woman and you've got other things to do. Thanks again for taking the time to join us and for being a champion for women in the outdoors. We definitely support that here at the She Goes Outdoors family. As a reminder, everyone, please like, share, subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Let us know if there's any additional information you want to hear, any specific speakers, or if you even want to come and join us on the She Goes Outdoors podcast to share your story. We would love to have you. Join that Facebook community. Be sure to send us photos, any topic suggestions, and sometimes we even give away some swag items. So um, be on the lookout for that page. We also promote events like Becoming an Outdoors Woman and some of our partner events that are focused on women. It's the place to be. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you outdoors. <laughs> <laughs>